Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello there guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. I hope you guys are doing well and staying safe during the holiday period. And here we are, the final DNF1 F1 podcast of 2022. We've seen so much go on this season. We've produced a lot of content for you guys and I sincerely hope that you guys have enjoyed what we've been doing this year. I certainly hope that you have found us somewhat entertaining and, of course, informative as well. We've had so many great guests working in and out of Formula One, offering their expert insight and occasionally having a little bit of banter as well. Uh, No less, of course, with our illustrious DNF1 panel. And, uh, of course, if you are new to the DNF1 F1 podcast on YouTube or your favourite podcasting platform, you can support us by giving us a five-star review on your favourite podcasting platform. It really does help us out a lot. And, of course, if you do, we will generously reward you with a shout-out on the next episode as our way of saying thanks. Of course, if you watch this on YouTube, you can like the video and subscribe to the channel as well. We didn't quite reach our milestone of 1,000 subscribers. We certainly had a good go at it, but I'm pretty confident we can go past that milestone in 2023. And that's going to be a very big year for us. We're going to have a lot of great new guests. We're going to have some pretty new graphics, I suppose, if I can promise it on YouTube. It's going to be revamped. I'm really looking forward to what we've got in store for you guys in 2023. I certainly hope that you will join us on that journey. And of course, being at the holiday period, as we said already, I hope that you guys aren't doing okay. And, you know, you're looking forward to the holiday period, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah, for example, or Kwanzaa, whatever holiday that you'll be celebrating during this period. I really hope that you, your friends and your family, everybody are doing okay. I hope you have a good time. Of course, this episode is going out on the Friday before Christmas, so if you are one of those people, unfortunately, not able to spend time with friends and family during this period, I certainly hope that by tuning into the show that we are offering a little bit of a light in your day, and we appreciate you inviting us into your home during this time, so certainly hope we're doing it justice. All of the pleasantries and everything out of the way, in this episode, to round off 2022, We wanted to engage with you guys a few weeks ago on our socials. And if you haven't followed us on our socials yet, make sure you do. We leave our socials in the show notes. And of course, you'll see them if you watch us on YouTube. We asked you guys to give us a bit of an F1 wish list. List some things that you would like to see change or happen in F1, whether that's to you or relevant to the sport. And uh, make it a bit like a Christmas wish list. What could Santa give you? if he was an F1 fan. Joining me on this episode, we've got Lee Wallington, the regular DNF1 panel member, joining me. And uh, yeah, we're going to go through some of these, Lee, and going to have a bit of fun with this one as well. And first of all, how are you doing, mate? And uh, are you ready for the holiday period as we round off 2022? Yeah, I'm doing good, thank you. I'm really looking forward to uh, Christmas and obviously spending time with family um, and having plenty well, probably too much food and drink, but that's what the New Year's resolutions are for, to help uh, get back into shape after overdoing it. Um, but yeah, it's just having that time off is going to be a really nice for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's pretty much what it's all about when it comes to this time of year. Good friends, good food, good family, good vibes. Uh, it's the most important thing. And, you know, as I said, yeah, 
just go all ham really i mean i'm i'm the sort of person that when i kind of get into the swing of things when it comes to the food um yeah i'm kind of glad that new year's resolutions come around about a week afterwards and you can sign up to whatever gym you go to and work all off all that christmas weight really so uh yeah i think without any further uh digression from the f1 talk we should probably talk about some news which is less than joyful if you think about it probably don't have to think too hard to be honest but uh the fia seemed to be going down the fifa route following what was a very very good fifa world cup in terms of the football but of course anyone that followed beyond the football stories would obviously have noted a lot of the issues regarding human rights and the lgbtq plus community um and and all of that that went with it and there was a lot of arguments on both sides of this it seems to have found its way towards the FIA's line of thinking in line with FIFA in terms of um, drivers and teams putting forward um, promotion of political, well, say political causes. I mean, it depends on which way you look at it. They could be humanitarian, but of course it depends on what the FIA is saying. And they've had two new regulations inserted in. I'm just going to quickly read them out for you. And uh, according to Article 12.2.1.N, the general making and display of political, religious and personal statements of comment, notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality promoted by the FIA under its statutes, unless previously approved in writing by the FIA for international competitions or by the relevant ASN for national competitions within their jurisdiction. Basically, long story shortly, that means that any teams or drivers that want to put forward any promotion for what the FIA deem as a political cause will have to be given their prior approval before they can do it. This means that certain causes that we've seen promoted, and I'm not suggesting that these are political, um, I'm going to leave that up to you guys listening uh, to make your own minds up on this, but certain causes, like we said, the LGBTQ plus community, Black Lives Matter that we saw Mercedes and Sir Lewis Hamilton be very vocal and promotive of the war in Ukraine, Another example, something that we saw the FIA and F1 promote quite emphatically during uh, the Bahrain Grand Prix weekend. They got everybody together to promote for that and stand with Ukraine and, of course, some of the action they took regarding uh, Nikita Mazepin and um, obviously the funding that got him a seat at Haas. And obviously Haas had to make a decision there in response to the conflict that was going on. So all of these things that we've just mentioned, they're now going to be subject to FIA prior approval. I'll be honest with you, mate, I can see this being quite a controversial issue throughout the year, especially in terms of what is deemed a political cause versus a humanitarian one. Yeah, it's going to be, um, it's not going to go down well with some drivers and teams. Uh, some drivers, like the first one comes to mind, so this Hamilton, who's obviously quite vocal regarding his opinions on certain causes and how it, with his custom helmets um, and shirts and like the now retired driver, but Sebastian Vettel was very, also very vocal in such courses. So and I'm sure there are other drivers that are just as vocal on um, courses, just, just um, obviously have the the following that those two do. Um, but the even just as teams, it's potentially going to cause headaches because where does the FAA call, pull, um, put the line? First comes to mind is obviously Mercedes and their black livery they had for um, Black Lives Matter. The FAA, I know that's past livery, and they're now gone back to the silver. But the FAA, oh, that's political. You can't do that. And the Mercedes, oh, well, that's just the color of our car. We know there's no political meaning behind it. Well, we think it is. And like, we don't think it is. And then they're going to go back and forth and bring the sport into this repute, making it look silly that they can't agree on just the color scheme. You think back to Haas before the Ukraine war, they had the red, white, and blue, the Russian flag. If there was a Russian sponsor, why not? You just do the red, white, and blue, and it's like, but oh yeah, the mm. the war in Ukraine. Well, it's like that's just the color of our cars. The colors can. And, and remember, Lee, <laughs> so this many was, connotations. Yeah, it's... this was at a time when <laughs> Russian athletes weren't allowed in international yeah. sports to represent Russia. You know, Mazepin was an independent athlete at the time, so this was kind of a clever way for the Russian sponsors to have their flag on the car, but it not to be attributed to the flag itself. So you know, it, it's. It's very, very strange how this is um, going to work. I can see this one being a very controversial one throughout the year. I'm not going to comment on some of these causes. And, you know, because the thing is, one of the arguments we saw during the FIFA World Cup in terms of the legitimacy of 
Qatar not being a fit and appropriate country to host a global event as big as the World Cup because of its human rights record and because of the way it treated the LGBTQ plus community and obviously some of the rationale that was embedded as to why they did this, etc., etc. F1 has a shrouded history and a shrouded past, quite a recent one, in terms of some of the venues and where Grand Prix have been held. I mean, we saw what happened in Jeddah, for example, where the drivers, obviously there was a huge explosion near the circuit um, and it was related to an attack of some sorts. I'm not going to go into details in that, but it did compromise the safety and security of the drivers. And a a lot of fans felt that F1 is at risk of potentially selling itself to venues where they have these issues. But of course, a lot of people argue, well, you already go to a lot of those places anyway in the Western world. Not to get too sidetracked into this and to get down that political rabbit hole, which of course, you know, is so, so controversial. Um, It does feel right now that it's going to be a lot of news and a lot of talk following this piece of information the FIA have pulled out in terms of what is deemed political and what is the right way to go, really? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of discussion, especially once uh, we're now in the quiet low season of the winter break. But once cars start running for testing, I'm sure we're going to start hearing something, especially when we get closer to circuits where there are drivers or teams will have calls to want to put a political statement that's where it's going to explode. So the first track that comes to mind where we'll probably be driving at would be Bahrain, for example. Um, it's where it probably will first... No, we're we starting in Saudi Arabia? I think we're starting in Bahrain this season. In 2024, okay. it's being moved to Jeddah, I believe. Yeah. So, But again, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a good point. You know, that is quite relevant. Um, so that'll be the first circuit in, that, in the start of the season. It's where it's going to blow up in, in the media and make the sport look silly. It's... Mm. I, they're just obviously trying to preserve, make the sports and the integrity and not lose economic value. And obviously the, the hosts don't want this bad press, but all it does is going to bring bad press to the sport in another way. Mm, I think so too. Um, I mean, I, I know for a, for a while now, this has been an issue of F1 and certain circuits that it goes to and the rationale. I mean, you know, the Russian Grand Prix was a regular fixture on the calendar until that was removed following what was going on in Ukraine. You know, so there's going to be arguments to be made by fans and people involved in in these causes that will say, well, F1 is just, or the FIA, I suppose, are just using this as an opportunity so that it could sell itself to practically almost any venue that may prospectively want to host a Grand Prix. I mean, Qatar is going to be hosting a Grand Prix uh, this season. So, you know, it, it's going to be quite interesting. Not a lot of people were talking about this. I remember in 2021 when we went to the Lasali circuit, uh, which was at the venue where the World Cup final was just played. So it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens. And I, for one, am certainly not going to offer an opinion on this one because it just opens up a rabbit hole of so many other things. And uh, I, I think you would agree, Lee, I don't think we want our show to turn into uh, a political debate when I think a lot of people listening to this will probably appreciate us talking about the F1. But of course, we will report the news as and when we hear it and obviously significant updates that come with that and maybe if people are interested maybe we'll have we'll have a more open discussion about this issue as and when the time is appropriate we'll have to wait and see but that's all in the future let's worry about now and let's talk about something a little bit more fun christmas and the holiday season and uh, f1 did a bit of a secret santa as well lee i don't know if you saw that um quite interesting my favourite gift was the one that Charles Leclerc gave to Max Verstappen. Yeah, that was my favourite one. That was a pretty good one. For those, sword, yeah. yeah, for those that didn't see, um, F1 does its regular annual Secret Santa, and uh, you all know how Secret Santa works by now. You pull a random name out, you give a gift to that person, but they don't know who got the gift for them. And it's always a bit of fun sometimes trying to figure out who got you a certain gift. No clues for guessing who got Max Verstappen's gift, and Max Verstappen received a copy of F1 2022, the video game, and all three of the avatars on the front cover were Charles Leclerc and uh, some sort of champions edition as well. So it's just a friendly little banter between friends. But uh, yeah, I'd certainly admire the ingenuity of a gift like that. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> obviously it's all meant in jest, but yeah, it's, it is a very funny um, uh, aspect. And it is a shame that some drivers don't partake in it because it's just a an interesting social thing for the fans to see on from drivers, uh, you just imagine uh, if not that Lewis doesn't take part, but if Lewis got Max, what uh, 
<laughs> he would yeah. give Max as a present. That would <laughs> be quite interesting. With Max to Lewis. See, now this is the thing. I could <laughs> see this as an opportunity for Max and, and Lewis, seeing as we've mentioned them, to have a little bit of fun over their rivalry and, and to draw a little bit of um, banter, I suppose, which obviously in private, you know, the, the two of them, when they're racing and the helmets are on, all gloves are off and everything, we've seen that this season. But when they're out of the car and they're talking with each other, I'm not suggesting for a second they're the best of friends, but there's a lot more respect there with that rivalry of each other. And they do get on relatively well, despite everything that gets said around them. And I feel like that would be translated quite well um, with something like a secret Santa. Not sure the F1 fan base would probably see it like that, depending on which side of the coin you are. Um, But as I said, you know, it, it would be quite interesting to see. Maybe that's why Sir Lewis perhaps doesn't partake in that sort of thing, just because of, I don't know. I mean, and the guy's a busy man and he does his own yeah. thing. So each to their own. But, um, you know, I suppose maybe next year we'll see. But uh, it's always fun for everybody else as well. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And it, obviously, I just really touching on the the Max and Lewis relationship. It, it gives a chance to potentially heal the slight rift that we have in the, the fan base if they see the drivers. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Getting on out, outside the, of the track and, and doing it. Secret Santa, but hey, that's uh, <laughs> Lewis. Where um, obviously is uh, probably not going to hear our feedback on that. So <laughs> I'd be very surprised if he did. If I'm honest with you, Lee, I'm sure the great man has got plenty more yeah. better things to be doing than listening to our little show uh, talking about Secret Santa and stuff like that. Um, all relevant topics, of course. So let's start with this wish list. So yeah, just as a reminder, we sent out a tweet and also Instagram post a few weeks ago, and to ask you guys to submit your wish list items for F1. So basically the equivalent of going into your local shopping centre or mall, wherever you're listening are, if you're listening in the States, going to see someone dressed up as Father Christmas and asking them what they, what you would want to change in F1, if there's anything that you would want in particular or anything you'd want to change. And um, so we're going to read out some of your... Go- and thank you again, guys, for sending them in. Really, really appreciate that. I was a little bit worried we weren't going to get much of a response, but I'm glad that we did. So uh shows the DNF1 family is growing very, very strong at the moment. We're going to start off with one from the Daniel F1. And just a disclaimer, if I do pronounce any of your usernames or hand sh- well handles wrong, I do apologize in advance. Daniel writes, I think Seb put it best when he said, bring back the effing V12s. Now, I'm going to paraphrase because I'm not going to swear. But um, that was, uh, what race was that, Lee? When Seb had an engine issue and he wanted the V, well, I think it was the V10s. I, I know he said V12s on the radio, but I think he meant the V10s. Was it a Spanish Grand Prix a couple of years ago? Yeah, I, think like, I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it might have been the Spanish Grand Prix in 2019 or something mad like that. I'm probably wrong. But I remember Seb saying something along those lines. And uh, I, I guess, Lee, it's probably along the lines of what, what Daniel was saying is that we need to bring back the old V10 engines or at least the V8 engines compared to what we have now with the V6 turbo hybrid. Would you agree with that? What do you reckon? Uh, personally, the sound is nice, but I think the, the V6s are the, the, the better engine. And it's the obviously modern ability or modernizing the sport, but it's not really words. Uh, I've just made that up. Um, but Modernizing, there we go. That's the word I was looking for. Modernizing um, the sport and having relevant engines. Um, as much as they don't have the the wow factor, um, I think it'd be a backwards a step in that aspect um, to go to that. Although I wouldn't mind them being louder V6s, but that's part of the, the obviously the hybrid nature of the engines that that they don't have that waste energy going out into sound. Um, but wait and see on the 26, that may have a, a louder um aspect because of obviously the way they're potentially is going to design the 26 engine yeah i mean efficiency has always been the key driver for the v6 engines and i'll be honest with you as much as i loved the sound of the old v10 engines even the v8s if you like i remember fernando alonso at the abu dhabi grand prix last season uh or 2021 actually was doing um some hot laps around there in his old Renault R25 that he won a world championship in. And that sounded phenomenal. Even Sir Lewis Hamilton, he stopped halfway for an interview in the, in the paddock to basically appreciate the sound saying that's how an F1 car should sound. And I absolutely love that. The only thing is I've kind of gotten used to these V6s now. It's kind of like a lot of things that we see in F1, you know, with a halo and, um, 
you know, the way that the cars change shape every few years and stuff like that, when a new aero regulation change, you get used to it after a while. I certainly miss it and I would love it. I'm not sure if it's going to happen though at all, let alone anytime soon. It's possible. We saw something um, like a demonstration that Seb Vettel did in the old, was it the F? I can't remember what model FW was, might be like 22 or 23, something like that. I think it was like Nigel Mansell's 1992 Williams that he won the world championship in. And Seb was doing a run with a V10 engine, a V10 Renault engine that was running on synthetic fuels. I know F1 is pushing quite heavily for synthetic fuels as part of its net zero carbon targets for 2030. We could get to a point, Lee, where if that proves to be successful, we may see a return of V10 or V8 engines running on synthetic biofuels or stuff like that, which may provide an opportunity to not just bring back the sound of those cars, which we all miss sincerely, um, but also make the cars lighter and smaller and make them more agile, which I'm sure you and I, obviously having watched those eras when they were like that, will agree that those were some really fun times to watch an F1 car at full throttle. Oh yeah, basically just go-karts with a, a massive engine on the back, effectively, right? The go-karts don't have that kind of aero, but the weight to a horsepower ratio was a lot greater than they are now. Um, so just the, the the movability of those cars, it's, yeah, it's something the sport has lost. So that would be nice getting that lighter car back. But that's some of that is also safety. That's increased weight from a safety, not just in the engine. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, because you had mentioned go-karts and someone said, oh, they should do go-karts at Monaco instead. Um, or something, I mean, probably. I mean, Formula E don't seem to have a trouble racing in Monaco, so it's clearly a size issue at play, although looking at the cars for this year, we'll have to wait and see if that still continues. But um, I always remember when I was growing up on Eurosport back in the 90s, this is me showing my age here. I think they did it to like the early 2000s. We used to get an event where the Formula One drivers used to do like a karting event in France, ran some kart track, an indoor kart track. People that watch this will know what I'm talking about. And uh, we used to get loads of the F1 drivers involved. Michael Schumacher was usually quite involved a lot in these. Senna used to do a few of these back in the late 80s. It was really fun stuff. It was like one of those things where you could get all the drivers together in equal machinery and go-karts and just smash around the circuit, sometimes into each other as they're doing it. It would be quite fun. I'd love to see them bring that back. I think that'd be really good. It'd be a nice opportunity for people to sort of see, okay, everyone's in equal machinery. Who is going to be the fastest? And uh, who would be the fastest carter? I mean, what do you reckon, Lee? I'd like to see that. And uh, if so, who do you reckon would win a kind of race like that? Or who would you bet on to win? I mean, I would look, actually, that's actually quite, I didn't know they did that, but that does sound pretty cool. Mm. Um and I mean, it, it, Formula One can make a big thing of that and said it as a not not a non-championship race, but you get all the TV rights, you get the crew. And bam, that's a whole unofficial Formula One event and all the money that comes with that. I'd pay but, to watch that. That would be fun. Even at the end of um, the season, post-season thing. But my my money would be on Fernando. He, yes. he still is heavily involved in his karting mm. circuit in northern Spain. Um, he gets every opportunity he can to go on the go-kart and he always moans it's the car not him and he does drive pretty well in the Formula 1 car so given the equal machinery oh, Fernando is definitely going to be uh, one to watch it if that ever happened yeah I'd probably fancy Fernando to be one of the favourites to win that I mean obviously there's obvious candidates like Max and um, and, and Sir Lewis obviously but obviously, how much did they kart now I don't, I'm not sure I can't remember the last time I remember seeing a video or anything about Sir Lewis Karting, but Fernando's always on it. And um, Ricardo, Daniel Ricardo, used to be quite active in a go-kart in, in season as well. So uh, Lando Norris as well, Carlos Sainz, they'd be quite tasty because they used to do a lot of stuff like that when when they were McLaren teammates. So uh, you never know, there might be a surprise candidate. Might see uh, Lance Stroll be uh, dominating in the go-karts. It might change people's perception of him. I'd, you know, it'd be quite fun. Oh, yeah, it would definitely be fun. I, I, yeah, I think it's a, a good idea. If it would happen, I, I don't think that would ever return, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe we could do that instead of the Race of Champions because I like the Race of Champions. It's a bit of fun, but to me, I feel like it's gone a bit stale lately. And um, I think it was like the highlight uh, the other year was when Lucas Blakely, the um, eSports champion, beat Sebastian Vettel in a road car race. I think it was Lucas Blakely that did it, but... Um, yeah, so uh, you know, obviously that was a big shock at the time, but Luke is obviously quite handy 
uh, whether it's in the sim or whether it's in a real car. So, um, yeah, maybe something like that would be quite fun. Maybe F1 should bring that back. Maybe if the fans get enough traction behind something like that, they could probably introduce it, as you said, Lee, as one of those exhibition events, not worth any championship points, just for a bit of fun. Maybe a bit of money chucked in as well, just try and add the incentive for the drivers to do it or make it for charity. I don't know. Yeah, the uh, money probably, would be, I think fun and charity is probably a more commendable thing to do. But yeah, the drivers should love racing. That's what they're supposed to do, be it for uh, paid or for fun. They... <laughs> They're all supposed to love racing, so that they should want to do. That's it. I'd be all over it. It sounds hilariously fun. I'd love to try that, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe one day, uh, if we ask loud enough. So we got some more. We got Luke from the eighteen ninety two Reds podcast, who's been on this show before. He mentioned something related to DNF one, and he said he would like to see us do a forfeit show. I'm not sure if we're going to do a show for forfeits, but basically along the lines of whoever gets the 2023 predictions with the least amount of points will have to do a forfeit. So in a way, Lee, this is kind of similar to what we did recently where we did the review yeah. and we had the point system, which I won controversially, of course. Um, and whoever gets the least points should do a forfeit. I think that's something we could probably accommodate for next season i think we'll have to agree a set structure of sort of questions that we're awarding points for make sure everybody has a fair enough amount of opportunities to do the same sort of thing rather than uh, me having loads of prediction opportunities and courtney having i think none technically yeah. so it wouldn't have been a fair fight and uh, might have been a different outcome if you'd had been given what i was in that regard so yeah maybe we could introduce something like that next year i'm not quite sure what i'd have in mind for a forfeit but i suppose a brainstorming session or two probably would help yeah, well, it could be done, but my counter suggestion, if as he has been a guest on the show, if he if he's the one suggesting it, he has to be involved in our um, predictions, and then he can do a fourth if he's uh, <laughs> <laughs> the loser. Well, we'd have, suggestion. <laughs> we'd have to wait and see if he was uh, part if he'd partake in that. Um, <laughs> so we got some more. We got Chantel Pine. Thanks, Chantel, for your wish list suggestion. So she's done a two parter here. She's gone for a Mercedes 1-2 end of next season. Um, I'm assuming she means the championship. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what order she'd like it to be in. But she also put for Silverstone to drop their race weekend ticket prices. I mean, that's a pretty big wish list item. And that was something that Silverstone was quite famously criticised for. The fact that um, they had dynamic ticket price changes. As um, a lot of people that were trying to get tickets, I remember it was so difficult to get tickets for this year's uh, next year's Grand Prix. And the prices were changing when there were less seats available. They were going up and up and up. So obviously that was a big no-no, uh, which they had to rectify. I suppose in a cost of living crisis in the UK, not to get too political on this one, reducing ticket prices for the race weekend is probably not a bad idea. But then the problem is you've got costs going up and up and up for hosting fees. And I know Silverstone is obviously one of the gems in the F1 calendar, but... With the amount of races trying to get on the Canada Lee, I suppose no race is safe. So uh, definitely something I'd wish for um, from selfish reasons or from a consumer perspective, but I'm not sure how realistic that would be. Yeah, I really, I don't think that will be a, any chance of the prices going down, unfortunately. Um, Silverstone is one of the more expensive circuits to see a race compared to other circuits. Um, and obviously, sometimes it is more cost-effective, especially... Being in Europe, the, the amount of races we have in Europe to travel to other places to watch a race in Europe actually works out more cost effective than in the UK going to Silverstone um, for a weekend. So in those instances, some research could be done to get a cheaper price. But yeah, I don't see the prices going down for Silverstone, unfortunately, as much as, as much as I would love it to as well. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. It is something that needs to be looked at. I mean, we, as you mentioned, we saw some races abroad, like Hungary, for example. I think I remember hearing last year that a silver level ticket, which I'm not sure if it's like the third best option or the second best option, depending on what happens with Paddock Club, if that's gold or not. But um, I think someone said that the most expensive silver level ticket was still cheaper for the whole weekend than a day or a ground pass at Silverstone for the day, yeah. which is yeah, uh, Hungary is the cheapest one in Europe. Yeah, of course, if, if you don't include flights and accommodation and everything that comes with it. But um, yeah, so an interesting one. Um, the other one from Chantel, Lee, what do you reckon? Mercedes 1-2 probably sounds pretty good for you, at least. Well, I mean, it'd be nice, 
but only if it's been an interesting season. If it, it, I don't, I don't want a dominated season. Be it um, Mercedes, be it Red Bull, be it Ferrari. I don't want. I want close racing. <laughs> I think so if, it ends, yeah. if it ends, Mercedes one two, and it's been a close racing, then fair, fair enough. Hats off to Mercedes. They've driven well. Both drivers, the team's done well. But if it's just a cakewalk like it was in 2014, um, no, it's. I, I really hope that's not the case, personally. Yeah, we kind of want 2021, but without the drama, controversy and the jeopardy. And I don't think you can get one without the other, unfortunately, especially with uh, the rivalries that seem to be brewing year after year. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those where whilst, you know, some people, depending on what team you support, I mean, we could change this depending on the team. Um, Chantel being a Mercedes fan, but I'm pretty sure Red Bull fans would be would have been delighted if Sergio Perez had finished P2. Although perhaps maybe not so, you know, probably don't care for that too much as long as they dominate the championships. And or in my case, I wouldn't mind seeing the Ferraris dominate. But each to their own. But I think we can all agree that we'd all want to see an exciting championship as long as our favourite driver or the one that we're rooting for wins at the end of it. Oh yeah, that's probably everyone probably agree on that. But. Um... Yeah, we have to wait and see how the next year goes. Exactly. Uh, next one we've got from Vulcan Motorsport. Our friend Samit from Vulcan Motorsport has done a great video recently about Sebastian Vettel. I definitely recommend you guys check that out. In fact, I will leave a link in the YouTube description for our friend Samit on that one. And we're definitely getting him on the show in 2023. We've uh, waited this one long enough. He's wrote, endless success to the DNF1 F1 podcast. That's what I want. That's what I want as well. Um, <laughs> to be honest, but no, I appreciate the supportive words uh, on that one, Samit. And uh, but of course, you guys can make Samit's wish list true by just subscribing to the channel and liking the video and giving us a five star review. So enough plugging aside, we appreciate the support. Let's move on to a girl talks F one, Menena, who's been on the show a few times. She wants to party with Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo. That's probably a pretty good party, Lee, to be fair. I mean, is there a driver out there that you would want to go out on a night out with or have a party with? I mean, Danny Rick's probably up there. Max probably is up there, to be fair, as well, when he lets his hair down. To be, Daniel would probably be the number one on, on that. I imagine he, um, being an Aussie as well, um, the Aussies know how to have a good party. Um, so, yeah, it would be my choice. Now he's back in the Red Bull family. Uh, it's gonna, yeah, it could be possible with um, Max and Daniel, especially as uh, Rebel do seem to do well in Mexico. Hey, never know. <laughs> well, there you go, and and uh, they'll both be part of Red Bull next season. Maybe Daniel, this would be one of his events where he goes. I mean, Red Bull obviously want to be very popular in Mexico, so uh, Menena, get yourself down there next season in Mexico. That might just come true for you if you're persistent enough. So, uh, Red Bull, if you are listening, let's uh, hook our friend up. And try and get her to uh, have a well, getting a party with uh, Verstappen and Ricardo, whatever they got planned in Mexico. Sounds like a good party. We might have to try and join on that one if it's possible. Are there any other drivers, Lee, that you'd want to go on a night out with? I mean, there's a few I could think of. I mean, I, I reckon Sir Lewis would be fun, but he's one of those guys that I kind of get the opinion that or the vibe that he fits into a group rather well. He's not the life and soul of the party in the same way that perhaps Ricardo or Verstappen might be. Yeah, I, I've got I've got a feeling Lando would probably be a mm. <laughs> Lando's <laughs> kind of um, PC or PlayStation lobby kind of party yeah. rather than a night out. Um, I was more thinking. I, I know they're not teammates anymore, but the the, the dynamic duo Lando and Carlos and just oh, the trouble they could potentially get up to on a night out that'd be uh, oh yeah that would be interesting. <laughs> I reckon George Russell would be a good laugh on a night out. Yeah, yeah. His, his shell would just come off. That's it. That's what I mean. Like the shell <laughs> comes off. Like he's, you know, he's not worried about F one. He's not worried about looking at the data or being the ultimate professional or anything like that. Lets it all down as a bit of a rave. I mean, we've all seen that gif of of George dancing in a nightclub with his mates. It's always used yeah. so positively. Yeah, that would be quite fun. Just trying to think of anyone else. I mean, maybe not Fernando and Seb. I got, I kind of get the idea that Seb. A lot. I love Seb to pieces, but I just don't think he's the sort of night. I can't. Or maybe he is. Maybe he is. Maybe I'm wrong. And um, it, it's the sort of guy that, if I suppose as you get older and you start to appreciate the pubs rather than the clubs a little bit more. Um, and I think you and I are probably at that age yeah. now. Um, or a bit, I've certainly been that for some time, to be fair. 
uh, probably enjoy a night out with Seb a little bit more, but it'd probably be a little bit more, um, what's the right word? Calm, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, more civilised night out, eh? Yeah, but it's still a good one though, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a mad rave or anything like that. I mean, if you're looking for pure energy, then yeah, Danny Rick and, and Max and maybe Lando and George are probably more akin to that. I'm just trying to think if there are any drivers that I don't think would be much fun on a night out. I mean, maybe... Oh, I feel bad for picking someone out, but um, actually, I'm going to put that on you, Lee, first oh. before I make this <laughs> awkward for myself. Is there anyone out there that you... Not necessarily someone you wouldn't want to go on a night out with, but someone that might not necessarily be as fun if to go on a night out with if they asked you? Uh, See if we pick the same person. I've got one person in mind. My, I'm thinking of Joe. No, I'm not thinking Joe. I think Joe would be quite fun and I, again, he's one of those characters that I think is a little bit misunderstood, perhaps in the Western media, and it's our fault for not really giving him the time of day in that regard. But um, I feel like once he comes out of his shell, I think the real Joe sort of comes out and he's more approachable. I think, um, yeah, I might like him. I, I get where you're going with him. I think it's just because we haven't heard much from Joe. Yeah, there may be that. And it's um, because of that we get the wrong impression of him. I was thinking, um, I don't know why, but I was thinking someone perhaps like Yuki, Yuki Sonoda. Me, Yuki was my other, my other uh, thought, to be honest. But I don't know why. It's, it's one of those, I just look at him and I feel like, oh, he looks so young, he wouldn't really fancy a night at, or he'd be too young to go anywhere on a night at, even though he's not. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh. I don't know. Yeah, Let, yeah. don't let's, know, to be honest. <laughs> I'm stumped, really. I mean, you know, says probably says more about me, and I apologise. But uh, let us know, guys, who would you, which driver would you like to go on a night out with? And let us know one that you may not want to go on a night out with, not necessarily because you don't like them, but because you might not think that that's very fun. I digress. Uh, let's look at some other predictions that we had. So we had one from, uh, interesting email, Kimmy, 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 777 absolutely love that um he mentioned a freeway title fight between red bull ferrari and mercedes and in addition to that inter-team battles in the top three to go with that i mean we're getting greedy with that one aren't we uh, I mean, that's that, the that's, pinnacle isn't it that's what we <laughs> all want be a juicy season if there's a two-way inter-team fight and then a three-way team battle oh yeah that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that was one of the ones that we got a lot of along those lines. I mean, a freeway title fight. I mean, let's be honestly, since the turbo hybrid um, regulations were introduced in 2014, we've kind of had always had two teams fighting at the top, sometimes one with Mercedes. Um, we had that this year with Red Bull and, and Ferrari for most of it, and then Mercedes came to the fore. But when all three of them were kind of somewhat level and fighting each other like we saw at Silverstone, it was fantastic. It was just unfortunate we never really got to see that very, very often. And hopefully that's something we'll see as these regulations start to mature during their time span. Yeah, well, the... the the oh, I get the words out, Lee. The time that comes to mind about a three-way title fight is 2010 when we had uh, McLaren, Ferrari and Red Bull. Oh, Vettel, Hamilton and Alonso. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although that wasn't really an inter-team fight. But there, there was between uh, Seb and Mark Webber. Um, well, we did have but, one at McLaren a little bit with Button, but Hamilton that season, yeah, he had Button covered yeah. that year. But the the inter, the inter team fight in tw- um, twenty ten was more Red Bull, um, and you could maybe argue twenty twelve with seven different winners in the first seven races. But after the seven races, obviously, start Red Bull started to clear away. But oh. As, as the, the budget cap takes in the force and closes the margins between the teams, I'm sure we'll get that three-way uh, fight. And we obviously have so much hope coming into this year that we'll have that. So it may, we may get it next year as, obviously, as the financial penalty hits Red Bull and see what impact that may have. Um, Ferrari pick themselves up and Mercedes obviously aiming to close the gap. We may see a scenario, especially the first part of the season, where we do get that, what appears to be a three-way fight before maybe it disappears since the second half of the season oh I love that especially and the teammates going head to head to see what George and Lewis actually have, happens in the the hot seat and Carlos and Giles in the hot seat uh, I, although I do think Max has uh, Sergio covered I don't think that's going to be a 
too much of an inter-team battle. That'd be very interesting if Sergio manages to uh, turn the tables on Max. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I can't see all three teams having inter-team battles. I can certainly see one at Mercedes yeah. with George having a year of experience underneath him. And obviously, whilst there are caveats as to why George Russell finished ahead of Hamilton last season, I'm certainly sure that he will take a lot of confidence from that. Hamilton certainly will want to write the record in that regard, especially if Mercedes have a much more competitive car. Ferrari, not sure if we're going to see an inter-team battle there. Signs towards the latter half of the season was much closer to Leclerc than he had been throughout the rest of the season, so there is that element to it. I do feel Ferrari may adopt an approach if they have a championship competing car like they did last season for some part, where they may favour someone like Charles Leclerc, who has proven to have been the better driver between the two, despite the fine margins between them. So I'd be surprised if we saw an inter-team battle there. Red Bull, we don't even have to go down that rabbit hole. It, we know what Red Bull's about, and Red Bull have won two championships doing that kind of thing, So, and plus the others that they had in the past. So they're certainly not going to want to risk anything by allowing their drivers to fight, especially if all three teams are literally within a tenth or so of each other next season fighting for the World Championship. So it sounds fun. Not sure how realistic it's going to be, but I certainly admire what Kimi 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 777 is going down, as well as having a brilliant tag name, I must say. Yeah, I mean, I, I would really love that if, we, if that happens next year. That'd be a very entertaining season. We'll be very busy. <laughs> That's it. All bets are off back then. It will be one for the ages. Uh, another one from F1 Fan 6972. Um, interesting name there. Interteam battles. Uh, sorry, I've read that one already. Not that, not from you. Sorry. Uh, at least a freeway fight for the best of the rest in the constructors. So P4. So, I mean, we had this in 2020, didn't we? We had, um, well, we had McLaren and Racing Point. And Renault. And Renault. And then we had it in 2021 with McLaren and Ferrari, to a degree, and sort of Aston Martin were there or thereabouts, but they were never really quite on it. Uh, Renault as well. Uh, was, no, it was Alpine last season. Sorry, Alpine, I didn't get yeah. that confused. And then in 2022, we had McLaren and Alpine. Aston Martin never really were in that fight. They very much came a bit later on, and even then they were still behind McLaren and Alpine. I'm guessing, Lee, if we're going to get a freeway fight for P4, it's probably going to be those three teams, McLaren, Alpine and Aston Martin. And even then, Aston Martin will have to make a leap forward to join that fight. Yeah, it will be yeah, those three teams unless we get a surprise from one of the Alphas um, that build a, a massive supercar. Um, there I mean, in, improvement in performance, not actually a supercar. But um, they, they could do for that curveball. But it's very likely it'd be those three teams that you mentioned if we're going to get a three-way fight, which would be very interesting if we do get a three-way fight. Yeah, it would be. And I'd like to see that. I mean, not forgetting, of course, we've got some new drivers in those teams. We've got Oscar Piastri joining McLaren, which is certainly going to be, with all respect to Ricardo, perhaps a step forward for them in that regard um, to challenge Lando Norris, who's obviously you know cemented himself as the outright leader of that team and certainly the most sought-after driver outside the top teams at this point in time. Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon, whilst there's going to be a big battle there, they're certainly going to make each other raise their game in order to stay on top. So that would be quite interesting and a very good Alpine car last season. Hopefully they can improve on that. Aston Martin will want to make a step forward and they're going to have Fernando Alonso in their car. So that's He's always going to, going to be, be Alpine. He's going to want to be Alpine. Mm. And McLaren, Fish. you know, he could really oh, yeah. put but... the ghost of Christmas past, if you like, pun intended, behind him in 2023 with those two. He'll want to be Esteban Ocon, I think. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. If there's a driver in there who'll want to be, it's definitely going to be Esteban. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I certainly would love to see that. It'd be quite interesting to see how that goes down. And, and maybe those three cars might be good enough to challenge for a podium rather than the only one that we got from Lando Norris at Imola last season. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, El Nino F1 2001 writes, Alonso wins for Aston Martin as their wish list item. Well, I admire the confidence. We'd probably have to get a Hungary-like race or a Monza 2020 for that to come through. But it, it's not out of the realms of impossibility. And Fernando Alonso has proven to still have what it takes if he has a car good enough to win. So, um, although I'm not sure that's very realistic. Yeah, it's not. It's probably not very realistic, but oh, I, got me, I would love to see that personally if he, he manages to win and... Yeah, Aston Martin. I'm sure Stroll would love to see that. 
um, as well. Um, but I mean, the Stroll senior, not obviously Stroll <laughs> junior, he wouldn't win. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, it's the, I, I don't think it's very realistic, but you give Fernando the opportunity and, and he got the sniff of the opportunity, he will take it with, all, with both hands as hard as much as he can. Uh, so yeah, but it will need special circumstances to get it. I'd be very surprised if Aston Martin could win it on um, pure pace merit. Yeah, it's quite interesting because they have a project going to 2026 where I think we're going to start to see Aston Martin really challenge at the front if they keep going the way that they are right now. And it's a lot going on there, but you're not really going to see a team that has the resources of the top teams until that time. So I think if they can make steady progress and maybe challenge for a podium in a few, well, whether next season or the year after, they'll certainly be on the right track. A win, a, a lot would have to happen. But, you know, that's not ruled it out. We've seen stranger yeah. things. And um, as the great late Murray Walker says, you know, his life sport, anything can happen. And so often it does. Well, I would add that for this year, Aston Martin did seem quite capable in the wet. Fernando is quite capable in the wet. They wet. did, yeah. So uh, maybe all he needs is a wet race. Maybe. And a safety car and, oh. <laughs> there he is <laughs> you never know you never know guys but uh, I admire the confidence um, Chris Stevens F1 writes confirmation of Porsche Hyundai Honda and Ford joining the sport for 2026 now Chris hasn't mentioned whether or not these are the teams as man- as teams in the sport or just engine manufacturers I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Lee, and suggest that he meant teams as manufacturer teams. And, uh, I mean, look, it's the same old argument where we want more teams in the sport. I know we've heard rumours about Honda and Ford looking to join as engine manufacturers rather than just be teams. Um, Porsche would obviously want to buy into an F1 team rather than make one because it's a lot cheaper. Hyundai, we've heard them mentioned, and it would be great to have a team from, uh, you know, an, an Asian country enter the sport, possibly as a manufacturer. That'd be quite interesting. Um, I just wonder if 2026 is probably, it's probably not very realistic for teams, but as engine manufacturers, at least for Honda and Ford, that's certainly realistic. Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to add that Honda is an Asian manufacturer as well. Yeah, this is where I've been. I've embarrassed myself over and over again. Do you know why, Lee? Because I keep thinking of this is terrible. Because I keep thinking of um, Honda, like the British base when they were established at Brackley. Uh, and I know I'm trying to pull myself out of a huge hole that I've just dug amongst a lot of people that are probably screaming into their headsets or their laptops, saying you're an idiot, Adam. Honda is an Asian country. So I'm glad that you've pointed that out to me that they are an Asian team. So uh, I do apologise. I was going to be more specific and say, what, South Korea for Hyundai? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Let's go with that one. I'll redeem myself by saying a South Korean F1 team. Yeah. So, I mean, it'd be very interesting if those teams do come back. Obviously, Porsche is still circling for a team. And I believe Hyundai and Honda have registered their interest, although it doesn't mean a committal to an engine manufacturer. Um, and then obviously, Ford is being rumoured to be doing some form of collaboration with Red Bull. Um, but having potentially, what, that would be, be nine manufacturers, if you can count Audi and the existing four? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to count it off the top of my head, but my will knowledge credibility has taken a massive dent in the last few <laughs> minutes. So um, um, I wouldn't trust me right now <laughs> on that one. But if, if my maths is right, um, nine nine manufacturers. If, if it happens, I mean, that'd be this will be in a very healthy state to get that position, even if it's if it's teams or just engine suppliers. But obviously, if they're going to join in twenty six, they're going to need that need to do that committal next year, really, to start the the planning for it. So we'll probably hear at least one or two of them confirm engine programs at the very least for twenty six. As you said, maybe not a team. The mm. TLT takes up a bit of time to spin up a new team if they're going to do a new team or not. Um, but yeah, ooh, that's I really like the idea of those those nine manufacturers. That's that's mouthwatering. <laughs> we just want to see more teams in the sport, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we understand the business side of things, and now F one is a lot more lucrative now, which is why you're getting a lot more people trying to come into the sport than it was 
during uh, a few years ago when times were difficult. And, you know, F1 and the teams, they want to be protective of that and protective of their market share, really. So if it were to happen, it's going to require a lot of investment and a lot of resource to make it happen. Um, I think this one is pretty much in the realms of a wish list or a Christmas wish, if you like. Um, I just can't see... I can't see them all joining as um, engine, uh, sorry, as teams, but I can see Porsche buying their way into an F1 team. Hyundai, I'm not sure, really. I've not yeah. seen enough at this point in time to really take that seriously. It's a nice idea. I really do think it is. I just don't think it's um, anywhere near enough traffic at this point for me, uh, for me to consider it as realistic. Honda and Ford, yeah, engine manufacturers, where they would come into the sport, I don't know, but I can't see them joining as teams either. So, Certainly a wish, um, to say the least. I'm not sure. I don't think that's really going to work out or be realistic. But wait and see. 2026 is still a long time away. But as you said, Lee, if things are going to happen, they're going to have to happen very, very soon in order to make that work. The next one um, from... Just trying to read the handle properly on this one. Sorry. Um, Nick Fields. Um, hi, Nick. He's wrote, wet tyres that work. Well, I mean... Yeah, that that would be quite nice. I mean, one of the things I think we can complain about from last season, and, and for a few seasons actually, is the fact that the wet tyres have practically become redundant because there's a finite working window, Lee, that's almost as short as uh, how long an avocado is ripe before it ends up going off. And um, the wet tyres are just terrible. They don't work. Like The tracks are either too wet for them and it's not safe to race, or it's not wet enough. And there's such a fine margin for that at the moment yeah or they need to look at bringing in super wets or something so they can race on when it's too wet for the wets it's silly that the wets can't you can't race on the wets when it's too wet it's, <laughs> i think it's ridiculous personally well they do have um oh, i can't remember what it was those air those little, little aero capers that they had that we're talking about they were like little um shields on the back of the car on the back of the wheels on the rear tires which would stop the spray coming out yeah that was something that they're looking into as a possibility for 2023 possibly i'm not sure if it's going to be introduced then um but it is a way to make wet weather racing a little bit easier so that we could end up with wet tires that work as nick has requested so um we'd have to wait and see but i do think we do need to have better wet tires in f1 regardless um because it just wet weather races everybody loves them not so much for the jeopardy but there's always going to be an element of risk to it and it does have the ingredients to randomize the order to a degree some of the best races in f1 are wet races so um i mean it's got to that point now lee where every time we see wet weather on the rise and everyone starts to worry and panic out of fear that we're going to get another belgium grand prix from uh, 2021 yeah uh, i i fear and panic on that as well i used to really enjoy a wet race but it's uh not being as enjoyable to watch as of late because of the red flags and such. So I really do hope that that one does happen. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so we got another one from Michael Andretti F1. I'm pretty sure this is not the Michael Andretti because I'm pretty sure he has better things to do um, <laughs> than message us. But thanks for the comment anyway. He's wrote, Andretti team given the go-ahead by the FIA to enter Formula 1. Well... I mean, on this one, that's a massive must. We've seen some news stories about them being able to prove that they have the necessary funding and backing and resource to make an F1 team entry possible. And that's by their way and by paying the teams the 200 million for the revenue share and other things as well. Obviously, we haven't heard too much in terms of whether that's going to happen. But I think for F1 and also for American F1 as well, I know we have Haas already, but a real... Um, F1 entry from the States that has the backing of the name Andretti, I think given its prowess in American racing, that's a very big move for F1 if it was to happen. I think I think it's a must-have for the sport, as you said. Um, being the Andretti name, the fact that they've proven that they can fund the 200 million buy-in, um, I believe they're also building a whole new garage for all, all the Andretti operations, including a potential future F1. I think it's supposed to cost another $200 million to build the whole garage, um, if I recall. But 
although Haas is an American team and it has its headquarters in the US, a lot of the work is done in Italy. But Andretti, obviously, if he gets the, the go-ahead, wants to do all the work in the US, which will be a first for modern everyone of having a manufacturer, yeah. a team fully operational out of the US with three races in the US coming this, next year. I, I think it needs to, they need to approve this and obviously gives an extra two drivers and another team on the grid. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd fully agree with that one and, and hopefully it comes through. So uh, I am definitely um, canvassing for that one. That's a huge shout. So, uh, yeah, thanks for that one, Michael Andretti, or maybe the real Michael Andretti. Maybe he's trying to feed his way in through the airways and picked our show, of all shows, to try and get his foot in the door. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, Michael Massey's number one fan. I mean, that's got to be a parody account. Um, They've wrote, good stewarding by the stewards. Very ironic for that to come from Michael Massey's biggest fan. But um, I think more consistent stewarding. Yeah, And I also think there are one or two racing rules that I'm not a fan of, particularly the new overtaking rule that they introduced last season. You know the one, the one where they say that a, a, a car has to be a reasonable amount inside another car for them to be given room. And we had that incident with Hamilton and Verstappen where I thought and some other people thought that Max was far enough alongside Lewis and yet Max got a penalty for it. And yet what we saw in Silverstone when Max forced Mick Schumacher wide when he was on the outside of him, and yet Max did everything legal, but everyone was complaining because nobody understood the new rules properly or that they just didn't make sense in terms of giving each other fair room. Um, and, you know, there's there's myriad reasons that we can go down as to why the stewards were inconsistent last season, but I think, Lee, this is definitely in the realms of another one that has to be a must in order to make, I suppose, ease the burden on F1. I mean, you're never going to really get rid of that with social media and fans having their opinions on certain things. But if, at least if the stewards are more consistent and not making stuff up on the fly that we saw a little bit last season, then maybe it would be, I don't know, things might settle down a little bit and we can just enjoy the racing. Yeah, well, we still, we always say that in Formula 1 to win a World Championship, consistency is key. Uh, I think that applies to the stewards, that consistency is key. And that's what they've really been lacking for a while now. Um and yeah, I, I would love that as well, just to be consistency on the rulings that it's easy to understand as a fan. The teams and drivers can understand where they stand, but more importantly, the fan understands the outcome of what's happening and not question it and accuses the, the effectively the referees <laughs> for not doing it, um, for making it confusing and making it a mess, which has been more bad publicity on the sport, which is not what Formula One or, or the FAA want, but they keep doing it. <laughs> No, that's it. Um, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I think we've got time for one more, if we can. And this is kind of a nice one. Actually, I'm going to do a two-parter because this comes from the same person. Um, they didn't leave their social tag, unfortunately, which I think is a little bit strange. They sent this one uh, via email. Um, so I won't read the email out because I want to keep that private. Um, but they've wrote, Vettel announces that he rejoins the sport and Daniel Ricciardo gets a seat on the grid in 2024. I mean... Both very, very nice suggestions. Um, I don't know if I really would feel that Seb announces... I mean, rejoining the sport in what capacity? I, I guess they might mean as a driver, but maybe Seb, uh, the head of the FIA, or perhaps as the um, new race director. That might be quite interesting. Yeah. Or, I, don't know, I was going to say, um, he comes out saying that he's going to be joining Audi in 26 versus... <laughs> That's not <laughs> yeah. next year. Well, as Mick Schumacher's <laughs> personal driving yeah. coach, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, or the new team principal at Williams. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, look, people like Jensen Button were thrown in. Why not Seb? But yeah. I can't see a former driver like that young join a team like that. Maybe someone like Susie Wolf is probably more realistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm going to miss Seb Vettel, but I, I don't think we, you know, Seb's going to go away from the sport completely. And I don't believe for a second when he says, I'm probably not going to follow F1 now that I've finished it. I'm like, no, of course he will. He'll want to see how things are getting on. Um, But uh, I think we'll see him involved in some capacity. I'm just not sure if it's going to be related to employment within F1, whether that be a driver, a team boss, or working with the stewards or something, as useful as someone like him would be. But um, we never know. And the other one was obviously Daniel getting a seat on the grid for 2024. Um, I think... Again, this one might be somewhat realistic, but I don't know. Something has to happen. Perhaps 
And and also it has to be within Daniel's interest as well. I remember listening to him on the Beyond the Grid podcast and he said he needed a break away from F1, hopefully to come back stronger, maybe look at 2024. But I can't see him wanting to join a midfield team or someone that wasn't very good. I feel like he'd want to come back if the opportunity was available to him where he could compete for race wins again. I'm not sure where that would be. Yeah, um, my my first instinct would be that he confirms that he's joining the sport or got a race seat at the expense of Sergio. That would be my first instinct. But then going back to one of the early suggestions, if Andretti does get approved, and um, once they announce the engine supplier, yeah, you know, maybe uh, Daniel be, may want to join being the lead team for a new stuff in, um, team in the sport and being the, the main number one driver for Andretti. If they're saying if they get approved, you never know. That may be an, another option he may consider as a different project. But that's probably going to be a midfield team and not a championship winning team from the start, even if that does go. Uh, get going even for 24, which is probably still getting close in time for that. If it was a 24 start for the team, um, but yeah, I can't see him going elsewhere to be honest. If it's not one of the if it's not Red Bull, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, what about Alpha Tauri? I mean, you've got um Yuki Sonoda in there, you've got Nick DeVries next season, two drivers that um, you know, whilst. Yuki has some relative level of experience now. This will be his third season in F1. He's very much embedded in the sport. Nick DeVries, another driver that has shown potential, but has never really been in the sport for longer than five minutes. He's practically driven half the cars on the grid. So I suppose that counts for something. Um, I'm not sure. I think there might be an opportunity there. I'm just wondering, though, if it's more likely that Red Bull will go with someone like a Liam Lawson, for example, in that seat, or maybe even Alex Albon, if Williams are still struggling next season and I don't think it's a seat that Ricardo would be interested no, either because it's so. like you know he could have gone to Huss if the rumours yeah. were true that they wanted him why not just do that instead so uh, I'd love to see Danny Rick in an F1 car again I just don't really feel unless something crazy happens where he has to step in for either Perez or Verstappen I'm not really sure how where that's going to come from really yeah I, I as much as I would love it, I, I do agree. I don't think that one's very likely, unfortunately. Mm. And and if we saw, for example, if we saw um, Perez have a dreadful season at Red Bull or he just wasn't really delivering in a tight battle for between Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull, if I were Christian Horner, I'd be doing everything possible to get Lando Norris in. That would be the guy I'd want driving my car. Or if Charles Leclerc's had enough of Ferrari and he wants to step into the lines then, no pun intended. Those are the kind of guys you look at rather than someone like Ricardo, who's what, 34 now? 33, 34. He's still a very, very good driver, but there's obviously a lot of question marks over his ability to deliver. That said, Red Bull will be best place to anal- analyse that because he's going to be their development and reserve driver as well. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Yep, definitely wait and see on both of those. Yeah, so uh, I think that was pretty much it. Um, we did have one more. Again, we didn't have the name for this one, so uh, we can't read them out. I mentioned that uh, Williams being closer to the midfield. I mean, yeah, Williams back in the midfield are pretty good. I mean, I just don't want to see Williams struggling at the back and being last week in week out, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. With you there. I, I, I don't want any... I, I don't want the field to be broken into, um, obviously, the top three midfield and the last team. And unfortunately, the last team has been a bit cut back of uh, late between Haas and Williams over the last few years. But you, the, at the very least, and it's very like, more likely happened than changing the top three, is the midfield closes up and that includes the back of the grid. So even if Williams don't get it right next year, they will be closer. And then they will be closer still to the point that the midfield, so being, we talked earlier about a three way fight for the best of the rest you'll get to the point that there's a four five six way fight for the best of the rest and that gap will suddenly get closer to the the top three once the obviously over the seasons with the budget caps and the the difference closes that gap which hopefully is intended or the intention is that the gap closes we'll get that well, a 10 way fight but they have to <laughs> wait and see yeah, you know, you never know. Wishful thinking. Certainly at Christmas yeah. time, it's a good time to put it on a wish list. But uh, I could very easily see in Williams being the team that gets bought by potentially like a Porsche or someone yeah. like that and replaced by them. It just seems at, the, at this point in time, the obvious candidate. But we'll have to wait and see. 
Who knows? Williams may return to the midfield next season. Maybe they'll have a great car. Maybe we have a new direction with a new team principal. We'll have to wait and see. Although, you know, even though it's still early, the clock is ticking on that to get sorted. But I think those were all the ones that we had. So thank you to everybody that sent those in. Very, very interesting shouts and wishes from you guys. Some of them are more realistic than others, of course. But um, very, very interesting. But uh, until then, of course, well, I think that's all that's left to say, Lee, is just to thank everybody that's tuned in to the show this year. Whether this be your first episode or you've listened to almost every single one this year, we really appreciate that and we thank you so much for your support. Of course, make sure if you are new to give us a five-star review on your favourite pod platform, we'll give you a shout-out in the next episode, which of course will be in 2023. And don't forget to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Lee, any final thoughts before we ran off for 2023? Any last wishes that you might mention just before we sign off? Uh Obviously, so just to again, uh, thank you. And obviously, everyone has a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, really. Yeah, I think that's the best way to best way to put it. Enjoy the holiday season, guys. Hope it's a lovely new year, regardless of which team that you support. Um, obviously, it's not long now until the teams will start unveiling the new cars. Aston Martin and Ferrari at this point in time, the only two teams that have revealed their dates. Aston Martin on the 13th of Feb, Ferrari on the 14th of Feb. And uh, tip. You know, pretty convenient day because uh, I'm hoping that Ferrari will not break my heart again this year. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that all unfolds. But uh, looks like I'm going to have to get myself ready to love and hope again when it comes to the Scuderia. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Please stay safe. Enjoy the holiday season wherever you are celebrating. I hope that you are having a good time. And we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast in 2023. But until then... Remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network.